This is Barry Zelma speaking for Claim School Incorporated's blog, Zelma on Insurance. Today we're going to talk about a little fiction, and this time it's called The Baseball Card Scam, which explains why insurance fraud costs everyone. This fictionalized true crime story of insurance fraud explains why insurance fraud is a heads-I-win, tails-you-lose situation for insurers. The story that follows is designed to help everyone understand how insurance fraud in America is costing everyone who buys insurance thousands of dollars every year, and why insurance fraud is a safer and more profitable scheme for the perpetrators than any other crime. Insurance fraud is estimated to take as much as $308 billion a year from the American public. The insurance industry, however, unintentionally seems to instruct its insureds how to successfully perpetrate insurance fraud. They do so by one, decimating their professional claim staff by short-sighted cost editing, two, by selling insurance to persons unknown to the company or the broker, three, by accepting the word of new applicants without a previous survey, and four, by allowing threats of bad faith lawsuits to intimidate the company into a quick settlement. Commercial property insurance has proven to be an excellent training ground for novice frauds. Baseball cards are collectible with widely varying values depending on rarity and condition. The value of a collectible card is totally subjective and as a result difficult to insure. Now why would a retail baseball card Door become an invitation to fraud. The husband and wife had failed in several tries to conduct a profitable retail business. They simultaneously closed their comic book store and opened a new business called Out in Left Field, where they sold baseball cards in the 1980s at the apex of the baseball card fad. They located in a new strip shopping center in a residential area of Fresno, California. The store lease required out in left field to maintain liability insurance for the landlord. Out in left field first tried to buy insurance from the captive agent of a major mutual insurance company, but because of their lack of experience in the baseball card business, the agent's mutual insurer would not accept the risk. The agent then investigated the surplus lines market, seeking insurance for the business. In that market, he found an insurer willing to take the risk without a signed application. The husband and wife at first had only requested the liability policy required by their lease. The agent advised them it would be in their best interest to have a business owner's policy, a BOP. The premium was relatively low, and they therefore bought an all-risk coverage with $50,000 limits of liability on their business personal property. At no time 
before the inception of the policy or after did anyone ask the insureds for substantiation that out in left field had an inventory of fifty thousand dollars in business personal property no one asked for any documentation to show that out in left field had ever performed a physical inventory no one asked for any documentation that they had any business records that the insurer could rely upon at the time of loss only the local agent even visited the shop the insureds went to several baseball card shows and began purchasing an inventory of low-value cards for between one and three dollars a card they offered these for sale at retail prices in their local fresno showroom the earnings of out in left field were no better than its predecessor the comic book store the insureds were considering closing their store down and walking away from their lease they had no assets which their landlord could attack even if he got a judgment against them fortuitously for the insureds a burglar entered the premises removed a portable radio and adding machine fifty dollars in change from their cash register and a few baseball cards the insureds reported the loss to their insurer a young adjuster who had never been in a retail business in his life except as a customer made first contact by telephone he had no knowledge of the marketplace for baseball cards and no personal experience operating a business in fact he had just graduated from the insurer's two-week claims training class the adjuster spoke briefly with the insureds and took a three-minute recorded statement limited to the discovery of the burglary the adjuster mailed the insureds blank sheets to fill out listing all of the property claim taken he also asked for purchase invoices to support the ownership of the items in question the insureds at the time of the burglary were basically honest people their business was failing and the temptation provided to them by the young adjuster was just too much to resist the insured stayed up for three nights and prepared a list it including not only the theft of the radio the cash from the cash register and the adding machine but also 50 prime excellent condition baseball cards and 250 modern cards valued at two dollars each the descriptions and values came directly from a catalog the list included a card of the year henry aaron broke the home run record and mickey mandel's rookie card it also included roger maris's 61 home run year and willie mays's rookie year each card was valued by the insureds at more than fifteen hundred dollars each they then changed the purchase invoices and added to the purchase price three numbers to the left of each invoice account. The invoices thus appeared to verify the purchases of the cards they claimed stolen. The total amount of claimed loss exceeded their policy limits. They made zero graphic copies of each of the invoices to give to the adjusters the adjuster did not even bother looking at the originals the adjuster did not therefore see that some of the invoices were written in different color ink 
If the adjuster saw the original invoices, he would have seen the changes. The adjuster was surprised when he received the claims forms. He did not expect such a large loss. He telephoned another retail baseball card store and learned that 50 baseball cards like those claimed stolen could easily be worth more than the $50,000 limit. He did not know what to do. He spoke with his supervisor. The supervisor suggested an audit of the books and records of out in left field by an accountant. The accountant, receiving the same forged documents the adjuster had received, found that the insurance calculations were correct. The accountant hired to audit the records of the insured never, never bothered to look at the original documents. The supervisor, still wary of the claim, suggested an attorney conduct an examination under oath of the insureds. However, before the lawyer started, the insured wife telephoned the adjuster to advise that as the adjuster knew her disabled husband's only interest in life was out in left field she explained that because of the delays in the payment of their claim and the time they had to spend with the accountant the insureds were unable to buy inventory the insureds had sold nothing and could not pay their rent her husband had become so depressed as a result of the delays of the adjuster that he had tried suicide. He was well at the moment, she said, and begged him to make the claim payment. The adjuster and the supervisor, with a minuscule investigation and no facts to go on, decided it was the better part of valor to pay the policy limits as soon as possible. The adjuster delivered a draft for the amount claimed the next day by the U.S. Postal Service, and also the company issued a notice of non-renewal of the policy. The insureds took the money and paid their back rent. They bought some new clothes and a new car, and with what was left, they tried to buy additional inventory for the store. Business was still poor since they were inept at running a retail business. They decided, since the claim was so easy the first time, that they would get a new insurance policy. They called every insurance agency in Fresno until they found one who was willing to present their risk to an insurer. Out in left fields, owners knew because they had first tried honestly that they could not reveal the prior loss. When they reported the prior loss to a different broker, insurance was refused. When they did not reveal the prior loss, they got a policy with a $150,000 limit. The insurer's only office was in Nebraska, almost 1,500 to 2,000 miles from their store. The new insurer relied totally on the representations of the insureds in the application. They conducted no pre-risk survey. The broker filled in the application over the phone. The broker did not even bother visiting the store. Out in that left field was in business again. Two months into the policy, after it had sufficiently ripened and before the second payment of the premium finance agreement was due, the insureds reported a burglary. This time, the loss was more than $150,000 in baseball cards. 
Fortunately for the insurer, it retained an experienced independent adjuster to investigate its loss. Checking the ISO All Claims Database, the adjuster for the new insurer learned of the first loss. With the authorization of the insureds, he saw a complete copy of the first insurer's claim file. The new insurer demanded examination under oath before an attorney. And as soon as the demand letter arrived at the insured's home, the wife called the lawyer and begged an immediate settlement, since her husband, depressed by the delays of the insurer, tried suicide. She told counsel she was afraid that if the insurer did not pay quickly, he would be successful in his next try. The attorney, having read the first insurer's claim file and seen the same threat of suicide, had been forewarned. He advised his client to strengthen their resolve. He advised them not to succumb to the fear as had the first insurer. Counsel then informed the insurer that to conclude the claim, she and her husband must first appear for and testify at an examination under oath. The insurer also required they bring to the examination all original documents. The insureds retained counsel on a contingency fee who had no knowledge of their fraud. The insureds produced what they said were all the original documents supporting their claim. Although the insurer's counsel was not an expert, the documents appeared to be forgeries to counsel. He, he repeatedly questioned the insureds about the documents until he got clear answers. The insureds testified that they received each of the original documents from sellers. They testified that they had never modified or changed the documents in any way, and they further testified that the records were the business records of out in left field and been prepared in the normal course of their business. All of their testimony, of course, was false. To establish his suspicion, counsel forwarded the original documents to a question document expert, and the expert advised that every document had been changed or modified a date amount and description of the original. Further, each of the invoices was written in two by two separate people in two different handwritings using two different writing instruments. The insurer, faced with such damning evidence and on the advice of counsel, rescinded the policy and denied the claim. The grounds stated were the material misrepresentation of fact concerning prior losses in the application for insurance. The insurer, as an alternative reason, also denied the claim for fraud. Counsel for the insurers also provided counsel for the insured a copy of the question document expert's report. Counsel for the insureds immediately withdrew representation of out in left field. The insureds agreed to the rescission of the policy and got their premium back, which they immediately cashed. The insureds appeared satisfied with the resolution, and at the time of their examination under oath, they appeared in the offices of counsel for the insurer wearing a cervical collar and back brace, respectively. At the examination under oath, they informed the insurer's counsel that they had just had a rear-end auto accident where their best friend and neighbor had accidentally rear-ended them. Although one insurer escaped making payment to these frauds, two did not. The first who provided the training paid 50000 for a loss that was probably no more than $800. An auto insurer also found itself making payments for an automobile accident that seemed to be fictitious. 
This type of loss will continue to occur as long as insurers fail to maintain adequately trained claims and underwriting staff. If insurers continue to accept insureds at face value without any pre-risk inspections or investigation, this type of loss will multiply. Insurance agents and brokers will have their loss ratios increased logarithmically. Profits will fall because they did not inspect and control the risks they insured. They will also probably accuse honest insureds with honest claims of insurance fraud because their people were sufficiently incompetent to adjust and investigate thoroughly a claim. This video and this story was adapted from my book, Insurance Fraud Costs Everyone, which is available as a Kindle book, a paperback, from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful to you, please tell your friends and colleagues about the blog and the videos and let them subscribe. It's free. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can see the video on Rumble.com. And if you do, I'd appreciate it if you click on the like button on YouTube and the thumbs up button on rumble.com. And if you're interested in obtaining further detailed information about insurance, insurance claims, insurance fraud, and insurance law, please consider for a very small fee subscribing to my Substack publications. Thank you for your attention.